Kirk, what's up, man? Hi, Greg. How are you? I'm doing great. What's up? Anything? No, nothing. Are you ready to talk some fancy football? Yes. All right, sweet. Let's do it. Hey, this is our uh, – we're going to do a show today on Dynasty League setup. Uh, as we mentioned in the last episode where we did the Dynasty mock draft, you and I are starting up our, our first ever Dynasty League this year, so it should be a lot of fun. Just want to kind of go over some of the strategies and some of the considerations we made when setting up the league. But uh, before we do that, we have quite a bit of news to get into. Yeah, I'm very excited. Not to mention football starts tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, can't wait. Hall of Fame game. So the other thing at the end of the show, I just want to kind of reminisce about the careers of some of the, the players who will be inducted into the Hall of Fame this year. So uh should be a lot of fun. Perfect. Let's get started. All right, man. Hey, so, so you know, training camp has started for, for all the teams. Uh, unfortunately, the thing that comes with that and the thing that may blow up all of our rankings is, is injuries that obviously we were not anticipating. Um, we do have some, some slight injuries to talk about or some injury news. Um, nothing really major on the fantasy front so far, but still some pretty significant ones. Uh, first one I want to talk about is Doug Baldwin. Um, he was, it was announced that he's going to be out for really the majority, maybe all of the preseason with a, with some swelling in his knee. Um, that kind of came from, came out of nowhere. Not sure what's going on there. They're not releasing too much, but does that, uh, what does that do for you for Doug Baldwin's draft stock, Kirk? Right now he is going as the number 10 overall receiver as the second pick in the third round. And that, uh, that's a 12-team PPR draft. The, in my mind, he was already somebody that you don't think about instantly as a, as a, as a guy you're going to draft. He always seems to just be there. You go, oh, Doug Baldwin's still there. Yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should pick him. That just drops him back in my mind. Uh, the second thing is, is that means that any any team that used to be called Prince may be looking for a wide receiver and may need to give up a running back to get a wide receiver. So that 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 could be um, there could be some trade uh, rumors floating around in regards to our keeper. So, so what you're talking about there is is the team Taft cap uh, Ryan's team where he's got uh, he has Doug Baldwin for $16. You're thinking he may need to trade for another one, huh? And yeah, you, well, you're loaded. Up. Yes. I'm, I mean, I'm, I have, I have the best ones. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Doug Baldwin, I'll tell you, I was, um, I'm very high on him this year cause I just don't know who else is going to get the ball in that offense. This does um, drop him though in my book. I mean, if there's a healthy Andrew luck, for the Colts, I will take T.Y. Hilton now over Doug Baldwin. I think Adam Thielen, Larry Fitzgerald, those are guys I would take over Doug Baldwin at this point. But it, it depends. Again, let's wait and see how serious it is. Yeah, uh, it, it would be – I feel like it would at least – it would drop him back at least one round. Yeah, okay. Uh, another uh, – really the only player that we've seen so far that, you know, maybe the end of the season or uh, – Really, maybe the end of his career is Jordan Matthews, who had a severe hand. The New England Patriots, they uh, they just flat out released him after the injury. And again, this is one of those things that you know, hamstring injuries this early kind of nag players year round. I don't think Jordan Matthews ever did anything so spectacular that teams are going to be lining up to sign him. So kind of unfortunate. It looks like he did 
have uh, kind of the inside route on that slot receiver um, position for the Patriots, at least for the first four games with Edelman being suspended. So Jordan Matthews uh, at this point without a team. Yeah, and I, I wasn't going to draft him even if he was going to play. And now I'm really not going to draft him. <laughs> right. Uh, here's one, uh, a player that's, uh, we're going to talk about two players on the same team. Uh, the first one is kind of, you know, there's some debate about him in the fantasy world. That's Josh Doxson. Uh, he came down with a shoulder injury today. It looks like he avoided major injury. He's, he sent out a tweet, said, I'm fine. So hopefully he won't miss any time there. Um, what do you think about Josh Doxson this year? Are, are you high on him? I know you do like, you do like Paul Richardson. I do, yeah. I, I, I think, um, I, I think all, all things healthy. I feel like those two were almost interchangeable as far as which one you wanted. Um, I don't really care for Josh Stock, Do, Josh Doxson. So this doesn't. This just keeps throwing him down. I, I probably will never draft him in, in his NFL career. Yeah, that's a tough team there, especially you know considering they have Jordan Reed and Jamison Crowder as well. Um, so the other player, I, I really like this story here because, uh, um, you know, just the other day, uh, I don't know if you want me publicizing this or not, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, a team offered you a trade. They offered you uh, Elijah McGuire, who has a broken foot. Yes. Uh, they offered you Chris Thompson and a tight end for Keenan Allen. Well, Chris Thompson, uh, who again broke his leg last year, said that, he expects that he'll finally be a hundred percent in November, which oh, by all accounts, but he got, of 2020. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, when he got injured uh, last year, that there was no question that he should have been ready or should be ready for the beginning of this season. He's still a f- full participant, but yeah. that just, he's, he's kind of prepping saying, Hey, I'm not a hundred percent. So that's got to be a little bit concerning for him um, enough to where, I don't. I wouldn't be as excited to take a flyer on him this year, you know. And and to think, I was I was I was really considering this trade, and, and I thought, you know, I really need some good solid bench players, not bench players just on my roster, but bench players on NFL rosters, second and third spots. I need them to push the starters for time, um, and to potentially see a couple snaps here and there. That's what I needed on my roster. Yeah, well, really you, you wouldn't be alone in that strategy. No. We have played with other uh, fantasy owners who said they needed backups who will push the starters for time, and that right. they drafted. So, right. all right, uh, okay. So, getting out of the injury news uh, into the contract news, Stephon Diggs, a wide receiver for Minnesota Vikings, signed a five-year, seventy-two million dollar extension. Uh, what does that mean to you, Kirk? That's that. that that's big. Um, I know, um, I know Kirk cousins like that, having that continuity, um, having that belief system in, in, in Stefan Diggs. I like that, 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 uh, that he, the more I think about it, I, I feel like he should be, and probably will be the, the better option in fantasy and, and at least standard leagues for, uh, the wide receivers instead talking about him and Adam Thielen, um, Adam Thielen will close the gap probably in the in the PPR formats, but I feel like this this might be Stefan Diggs's year to to kind of shine. And I may be jumping on your uh, uh, analysis of him of he's going to be the guy in that in that team with yeah. uh, with Kirk Cousins. 
So, so right now in PPR, Adam Thielen is going as the 12th uh, wide receiver. Stefan Diggs as the 15th. I mean, they're going right. One's going 360, the other's going 3-9. Um, my whole thing is Stefan Diggs, his biggest problem is he cannot stay on the field for 16 games. I think he is the more talented receiver, although I do think Adam Thielen is extremely talented. All I'm saying is with a new quarterback coming in, because those guys are so equally talented, again, I give Diggs a little bit of the edge. There's nothing – nothing would surprise me if Diggs becomes the number one this year. You just don't know with that variable of a new quarterback coming in. Uh, I, I do think that amount of money, which is about three times the size of Thielen's contract, is pretty significant. Right. Um, so, you know, obviously the – the Vikings believe enough in him to give him that much money after a couple of injury riddled seasons. So they're believers. So that makes me a believer as well. That's a significant wide receiver contract there. Right. Um, I, I totally agree with you. So final piece of news before we get into the meat of our show, Jacob buttocks was a full participant in practice today. Buttocks or butts? Well, we, I call him Jake. I mean, people call him Jake, Butt. For short, uh, tight end for the Denver Broncos, but full name Jacob Buttocks is a full participant in practice. His his full name is is Buttocks. No, it's it's oh. not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody who shortens their first name and their last name, yeah. but. And if he was going to shorten it, I think he'd just shorten it to B. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, booty. My full name is Jacob Gluteus Maximus. (laughs) I'm Greek. My parents were Greek. Yeah. Jesus. Um, Don't forget, what about Josh Gordon? I know that may not be uh, uh, current news, uh, but I don't know if we actually covered that. Okay. So, Josh Gordon's a head case, and uh, oh, or I guess if I don't know if we have to adhere to the political correctness of other outlets, Josh Gordon uh, seeking proactive, uh, I don't know, behavioral health uh, counseling with it's, no timetable for a return, right? Yeah, I, I believe what they're what they tr- they try to describe is a uh, is a preventative measure in because he feels like he has the itch to have the purple drink and the alcohol and the weed and uh, all that stuff. So I think he's uh, doing the best he can to, to avoid that, which is not a good sign in my book. So I, I will tell you that, you know, when looking at that whole situation there in Cleveland, Josh Gordon was definitely, I think, the guy I was high, highest on on that team. Um the funny thing is that with everything that's going on, the, the one player who I think is rising in my mind is Jarvis Landry. Um, the other thing, the thing that affects that though, is who's playing quarterback. I don't think with Tyrod Taylor there that uh, that's conducive to Jarvis Landry having fantasy relevance. I think Jarvis Landry is going to be a very good football player, very good on the field, but he, he got his fantasy numbers from 161 targets last year. I don't see Tyrod Taylor doesn't throw the ball enough or they're not going to throw the ball enough with Tyra Taylor for Jarvis Landry to get 161 targets. Although if there is no Josh Gordon, that become, you know, maybe 130 
140 is not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, there's also a word about Jarvis Landry playing on the outside too. So they may not just look at him as that slot, you know, seven yard in, five yard in kind of kind of guy. So uh, I, I am warming a little bit on Landry. I don't know how you feel about it. Obviously, you being the resident Browns fan. So yeah, um, I as when you talk about the number of targets, you're you're almost like comparing him to like a top ten wide receiver that's going to deem all those targets. He may, he, he may not get all those targets, but I feel like this could creep him up into the top 10 category because I, I think they're going to throw the ball uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, I, 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 probably more than Tyrod Taylor is used to, or at least he'll be dropped back more than, than normal. What I mean, Tyrod think? Taylor is a guy he ever, I mean, you're looking at 32 to 3,500 yards passing in a season, and that that's a 16 game season for him. I feel like um, that's going to go up. I mean, if yeah, if it doesn't, I mean, don't look for any Browns receiving options to have fantasy relevance. I mean, right. you know, not top tier guys anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it could it could be a you know the team's going to struggle, which they typically do, and you're going to get a really good tight end and a really good number one um but nothing to you know stake your life on okay all right well cool hey let's get out of the news uh let's get into let's talk about the league that we just set up uh invites are out we are almost ready to go a couple weeks away from draft time so this is a dynasty league um, but the, the version of the Dynasty League that we're doing has been called in the fantasy community uh, an Empire League. Uh, so let me get, give you just some of the details about it. Uh, we have 12 teams. Uh, we will have anywhere from 22 to 25 roster spots. I haven't decided on that yet. Basically, what we're doing is one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, and two flex positions. Uh, no kickers, no defense, and then a bench of anywhere from 14 to 17 players. Uh, I, I want to do some more research on that to see what you know startups recommend, but a uh, very deep bench co- uh, compared to just regular redraft leagues. Uh, we are going with a PPR format, six-point passing touchdown for quarterbacks. So I'm very excited. Um, you know, I, I – I hear people talking about their dynasty leagues. We have the the keeper league, which is a lot of fun as well. But this seems to take it up a notch as far as being realistic or the closest thing to being a real GM for a fantasy or for a football team. Yeah, did, I, I I I just thought of it. The um, injured reserve is that applicable in this format? Oh, yep. Thanks. So yeah, we're also going to have two injured reserve spots. Um, you know, at least. So, okay, right, yeah, because I I know that you know it's possible to to function without them, but you know why not? Yeah, yeah. So so definitely have those. Um, you know those those uh we incorporated that into keeper league, and and that's been I think I love it a a positive. You know yeah. I think a lot of people like that aspect. So, um, well, very good. So. So what makes a dynasty league an empire league? Well, there's two, really just two little variations. 
that make it an empire league. And what, what we're doing uh, is it, we are doing this for money. So it's a pay league. It'll be a hundred dollar buy-in and half, half of the yearly dues will go into what we call a rolling pot. The rest will be paid out annually. So 12 teams paying a hundred dollars, 600 of which will be paid out annually. I think we're looking at paying the champion and, and maybe the points leader. Uh, so that, that will be fun. But then other than that 600, uh, the other half goes into a rolling pot every year. So uh, that just keeps accumulating until one team wins back-to-back championships. When a team wins back-to-back championships, two things will happen at that point. The rolling pot will be paid out. So if this happens in year 10, you're talking $6,000, which would be pretty good. Right. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that happens is the league ends. And at first, when I read about this, I didn't know how to feel about the league ending. Um, you know, cause that, that I guess, you know, in year two. Um, but the thing is that if you have a team that that's dominant and there may be some teams who are bottom feeders and are stuck, that's how you lose teams. You know, that's how teams we we've already had it in the keeper league where one team backed out because he wasn't as invested, his team stunk and he gave up on it. So this right. is a way to av- avoid that staleness. Uh, the other thing with the rolling pot is if teams are investing half of their dues into this league, it keeps them invested. It keeps them interested in it. And they always have a shot to get that, even if their team did not finish well in a particular year. So, right. Um, that, that is the intent there. Uh, you know, there's always, I can foresee awkward, um, conversations when half the league wants the league to end where the other half does not. I've been in just regular redraft leagues where, half of the teams want to end it where the other half don't. So I can imagine that it's that much more difficult with the dynasty league. So these rules kind of eliminate those, those hard conversations. And, and I I imagine you're going to have, you're probably going to reach out to one of your owners to manage the money. Um, The, uh, I vote Mike Newcomer to do this. He, you trust him? Yeah, I tr- I trust him with that amount of money. I mean, I could just see in year ten, someone you know, the the pot has to be divvied out. You know, someone successful in achieving that six six thousand dollars, and he would just be able to write him a check right then and there, or have the cash available. I mean, I I I feel comfortable with him. Do you think that he would show up to a varsity Harbor Creek basketball game with a roll of ones? Saying he won the fifty-fifty. <laughs> yes, he would do that too. <laughs> he'd, sh- he'd show up at the uh, the cell block, saying, "I won the fifty-fifty at the Harbor Creek basketball game." Right, right. And um, I've I haven't I, I haven't been uh, I haven't graduated from Harbor Creek since uh, like fifteen years ago. So yeah, since you, since you graduated. Yeah, it's been fifteen years. Yeah. yeah, I go back there every every Friday. <laughs> All right, so all right, so let's get into dynasty. Why why do dynasties? Well, first of all, the the, the league that I, I put together here, these are I know most of the players in this league, so I'm gonna be the commissioner. Uh, it's a collection of players from our hometown in Erie, PA. It's a collection of 
some more players here in Texas that I know, and then also some guys I, I've worked with who live in different parts of the country. So, uh, but I've, you know, all the guys that I've invited to this league are competitive players. They're all guys who will be invested, will respond to trades, will proactively, you know, throw out trade offers, even if they don't know the person they're sending trade offers to. And that's really how this league is going to thrive is just the competitive spirit of all the teams that are in there. So it scares away all the riffraff and all the scrubs. So that is why I am excited to do it because, you know, I think you and I both kind of just get a natural high off of trading with other teams and it just makes it that much more fun. Well, and, and we, we could play for no money and, and as long as, you know, as long as somebody else in the league wants to take it seriously, we know we're going to take it seriously. So with this dynasty league, I mean, for the love of God, you're, you're, the whole idea is it's, it's not for just this year. It's for, it's for the rest of our lives. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to be playing fantasy football every year. This is just a way of keeping us, uh, keeping us going in the off season and, and having, having more of a, a, of an energy when the season starts, instead of saying, Oh, all right, I screwed up last year and I just want to do it again this year. No, it's no, I have to plan for next year constantly. I, I, the keeper league's good, but I think this is going to be even better um, because I think the people who sign up for know well in advance, they got to take this seriously for the next few years. And there's not going to be any Toms in this league. Oh, no, who's just going to say, Oh, this, the, the, the rules are stacked against me. I'm right. a victim. This is stupid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the one thing with the, the dynasty, the other things that it forces you to do. So again, I told you we're having deep rosters. These are either 14 or 17 player benches. That forces a couple things. Uh, it forces owners to pay attention to all players on teams, not just studs and, and their contract situations. So, for example, uh, you know, Jarek McKinnon last year, I'm sure he was a hot, you know, maybe not a hot fantasy or dynasty commodity, but he was on some people's radars for being in a franchise year or or a contract year, the player, Tevin Coleman, you know, I can see Tevin Coleman, me being more apt to draft him, hoping that maybe he cashes in and becomes a starter somewhere next year because he's in a contract year. So it forces you to look at a lot of that stuff that typically just one year redraft owners don't typically look at. The other thing is rookies and project players and college players who will be drafted in the NFL next year. I ha- I have not been a fan of college for some time now, but I can see this forcing me to watch high level quarterbacks and running backs who are expected to be drafted early. Right. Oh yeah. I, I mean, and, and handcuffing, I mean, you're, you, you gotta, you have to always be ready for that um, in a regular season, but if you don't, you're, you, you don't really worry about it now you're looking at every backup running back and every third string running back and every option. So you have to have a whole team, which is going to, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think. Yeah. So, so the other thing about the deep rosters and and to me, what makes this really cool is it decimates the free agent pool of players. So therefore, if you have a team need or you address a team need, you're going to have to do that through trading and you can trade, Young players for veterans, you can trade players for future draft picks, you know, up to up to two years. I mean, that's you know, a big, can, that's going to be a big uh, a big deal, too, is draft picks. 
having yeah. the ability to use that as leverage for, for yeah. Trade. So that's going to be, that is going to be, uh, I think a lot of fun, you know, I mean, a great example of this, of how all this comes together when you're talking about contract situations, looking at project players or, you know, having there be no free agent pool, look no further than the Steelers running back situation. Uh, just from a couple of weeks ago, Steelers do not come to a long-term agreement with Le'Veon Bell. Kirk, you and I in our mock draft in the last episode, we drafted James Conner saying, hey, right. he may be the guy next year. So I can see like if something like that happens, there would be a lot of trade activity for players hoping to get James Conner and maybe paying up for him and giving a good veteran player or a future draft pick or something like that. That's a kind of excitement, you know, in, you know, May, June or July that other, other leagues just can't replicate. So well, it, it's also, you're going to have to do a little more, a little more research into what they actually are planning or trying to do. Cause you know, James Conner coming in, he, he's an easy example of, of what's going to happen. They, they probably are going to go with him, but, if a starting running back goes down, you have to actually maybe do some research into, well, are, are they looking just to replace them with this year's backs? Do they have anybody, you know, what, where are they going to, where are they going to find that? Like the green Bay Packers used Ty Montgomery um, as a running back a, a couple of years ago. Well, you know, the casual fan may not know that, but if you're invested in, in the season in long-term, you're going to say, man, I need to, I need to know all the information as best as possible. So Adam Schefter uh, will absolutely be avoided in a lot of these things because he will get things wrong. So just to, you know, FYI, don't rely on Adam Schefter's tweets because it's probably either going to be wrong or late. So my fate. Yeah. Uh, So again, I don't watch ESPN, uh, but I did read a story. This was a couple of weeks ago. Obviously we broke the fantasy news about, uh, DeMarco Murray retiring uh, the day before uh, Adam Schefter said DeMarco Murray has narrowed his search down to four teams and will and will uh, notify the public of who he chooses uh, you know within the next week <laughs> the next day the next day he retired so gotta love Adam Schefter yeah he he's full of uh, whatever information <laughs> yeah um, okay so first things first is the the initial draft uh, for this league. Again, this is going to take hours, three and a half, four hours. I, I predict, yeah, again, it's going to be 22 to 25 rounds. Um, rookies will be incorporated in this draft. So it's all players available. I have heard of other startups doing a veteran draft and just all the veteran players and then switching the draft order and then doing a rookie draft. And they huh. do that to do that to start. I think that sounds like a lot of fun. However, this is not the year to do it because, I mean, really because of Saquon Barkley. Uh, Saquon Barkley is, you know, the seventh or sixth ranked pick right now. So if we did that strategy, that would give somebody basically, you know, three first round picks. You know, they would have the the last pick of the first round, the first pick of the second round, and the veteran draft, and then they get Saquon Barkley, which I, I just don't think that would be very fair. So I decided against that. So all all rookies will be incorporated in the initial draft. Every draft after this, though, subsequent drafts and subsequent years will just be a four-round rookie draft, just, just rookies who are drafted in the NFL. 
And, and, you know, that's something we can do immediately following the NFL draft, or we can wait till, you know, June, July, August, we can do that whenever. But I think that that will be a lot of fun too. I agree. I so uh, think what you've, what you've done is you've just um, tried uh, to be as, I don't know, as, as, as even as possible. I mean, you're, you're, you've, we do the research. You're, you're trying to, trying to, t- you know, make it as fair as possible. So just saying, Hey, let's just go into the first year and see what happens. Um, we could tweak rules and stuff, but I just, I really like the approach that you're taking on this league and making sure it's done right the first time. That way people aren't bitching, complaining. Yeah. My language complaining. <laughs> There will be uh, there will be some bumps in the road. So we're using the Sleeper Fantasy Football app, which it's our first year or second year, I think, of doing the league. So there will be some bumps, but they're constantly updating, and they've got a pretty pretty smooth draft system and pretty clean app. So yeah, shouldn't be that bad. But uh, all right, so so getting back to the initial draft though, which we're going to be doing here in a couple weeks. Um, the one thing that you know is obvious to me is like. Again, with the way we set this up, like you don't want to go all get too cute and go all rookies and just have a young team that'll be good, you know, five to seven years from now. Uh, don't put too much em- emphasis on youth. Um, you know, if you win the first two years of the league, that you, you could win that that pot, which would still be a pretty substantial amount of money. So there's got to be a healthy balance there. Yeah, I, I I can see. I mean, I can see why some people would would instinctively do that. I every NFL team. I mean, look at the Browns. They've had the youngest roster uh, the last two three years, and they're awful. Um, and and uh, there there's something to be said about and even in fantasies having your your known commodities and being able to count on them, and then filling in the gaps with your young talent that could pan out over, over the course of the next few years. So yeah, totally agree. Yep. So uh, the next thing that is different in, in the initial draft is, you know, Kirk, you and I are big proponents of waiting on quarterbacks and tight ends uh, in the redraft league. Yes. Uh, However, in, in, you know, a lot of the redraft leagues we do, uh, a, a few teams may pick a backup quarterback. A few teams may have a backup tight end. Maybe some of the less experienced teams, but that's kind of the minority. Well, in this dynasty, you will have to draft a quarterback or tight end maybe a little bit earlier because all teams are going to have multiple quarterbacks and tight ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they may they may start dipping into the backups. You know, if you wait too long, they'll start dipping into the backups before you start picking your starter. So. It can get that the quarterback and tight end fields can get depleted pretty quickly if, if you're not paying attention. So that is again something we may not be comfortable with with picking them that early, but we'll, we'll definitely have to do. Yeah, I mean, I, as much as I like uh, Jacob Lucas Maximus to be on my roster um, as like a backup, uh, you know, I may have to pick his starter first and then him, you know, too soon. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's it'll. Um, you know, I, I I can see there being a ton of different strategies going into this, which is into the draft, which is fun. Um, well, not at all. No, or just just winging it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the really the most uh, unique thing about this 
compared to a redraft league, though, is you look at the first round. Again, a, a lot of experts talk about Odell Beckham is the he is the one one. He is the first. He should be the first pick in your dynasty draft, and and that just sounds so foreign to a lot of us who, you know, when you're looking at the draft board for a redraft league, it's all running backs. Maybe Antonio Brown sneaks in there because he's a. I've you know, I've actually seen DeAndre Hopkins as number one recently. Yeah, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham; those two are very high. And, and here's why: is because wide receivers have so much more longevity than running backs do. Um, you know, if you rewind four years, three you know three four years, Eddie Lacy was a top five dynasty pick for people, and he's out of the NFL right now. Where you look at Beckham, who he may have 10 solid years of football left in him. You know, even Le'Veon Bell at 26 years old, he's got maybe, you know, maybe three years of being great. And that's it. You know, I would, I would rather take the Odell Beckham 10 years versus the uh, Le'Veon Bell three years. So that is the thing. I think definitely in the first and second rounds, <clears throat> players are going to have to weigh the wide receivers longevity versus the scarcity of a, of the running back. So that is going to be a very interesting, I think, uh, dance there that a lot of players are going to do. Yeah. And and with that in mind, if, you know, you know, like in poker, when everybody reads the book and applies the book knowledge for betting, um, if you know what they're supposed to do, you ideally can, can possibly take advantage of, of that play, knowing that, that, maybe those players are going to go early, you could possibly say, well, you know, I want to win this year. I want to take a chance on the wide receivers or I'm in a spot to where I'm going to get uh, a really good running back that I never would have gotten before. Um, and then you get to capitalize and maybe start start off with a win uh, in the league uh, in the first year, which, right. you know, it, knowing knowing the strategy and applying the strategy, I think can is two different things when it comes to this type of league. Yeah, and and you know that's the thing is like it, it's I don't know it's just going to be very interesting to see. But you look at you know, it's very interesting to look at the average draft position uh, difference between dynasty and redraft leagues. Uh, for example, uh, you know Corey Davis goes from a sixth round draft pick or seventh round draft pick in redraft leagues to he he is consistently a a second third round pick in dynasty mock drafts right now larry fitzgerald goes from being a third or fourth round draft picked in redraft leagues to a sixth round pick in dynasty league so again it's all roster construction you're looking at you know that healthy balance of of on the field performers now versus young guys to build build on and it's it should be very interesting yep it'll be fun but the thing, yeah, we can't emphasize enough is do not overemphasize the youth. You have to get guys who are on the field, especially with our league right now, because you you have two flex players. So that is a lot of starters that you're going to have to put out there in your starting roster. You can't just have a roster full of rookies and unknown players. You're going to have to field eight players uh, on your starting lineup, which, you know, you can't just – you can't just hide behind the rookies. I agree. All right, man. So, hey, last thing I want to talk about here uh, is just trading strategy. 
Um, you know, this is where you'll see teams who have no chance of a playoff. They're, they're trading away veterans to maybe the teams who are competing. Uh, you know, they're trading them for rookies, for future draft picks and stuff like that. I think you'll see a lot, a lot of action around the trade deadline. Um, hopefully more so than our keeper league, which should be fun. Oh, don't forget, we got to cover some of these Hall of Fame players because we got we got the Hall of Fame game tomorrow. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the, and the last thing, uh, uh, yeah, so that, that was really the last thing I want to hit on was the trading. I think that'll be, that'll be interesting. Um, again, this is really the whole reason I want to start this league is just because we love trading so much. Why not create a league that really emphasizes that? So. Yeah, as fun as the waiver wire is, it, it does get a little old after a while. I'd rather, I'd rather be able to make a trade. We'd rather manipulate another human. Yeah. All right. So hey, yeah, like Kirk said, um, Hall of Fame game tomorrow. I want to talk about some of the Hall of Fame uh, inductees. Really, there's two main ones I want to talk about because this is a fantasy football show. Let's talk about the two skill players who are being voted in tomorrow. First one being Randy Moss, and then the other Terrell Owens. Uh, Randy Moss came into the league and kind of set it on fire. He had 17 receiving touchdowns in his rookie season, which is just unheard of if you really think about it. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of his forte was yards and, and receiving touchdowns. He led the NFL five times in receiving touchdowns, had a, you know, 10, 10, uh, seasons over a thousand yards. Uh, finished with uh, almost or over 15,000 yards and 156 touchdowns. Uh, just a physical freak. Some people think, you know, if maybe he had a uh, his head on straight, he may be the greatest receiver of all time. Uh, and then, uh, and then the the other player, Terrell Owens, who I think is just slightly behind Randy Moss. Uh, he does have more yards, but uh, he has just just three less touchdowns. And uh, he does have about a hundred more catches. So, just talk about those guys. Did you ever have them for a fantasy team? And 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 what what do you think about them when you look at back at their careers? Well, as far as as far as uh, I don't think I've ever had them. The only the only time I probably, probably would have came in was in probably two thousand seven. Um. I would have had, I, I mean, having any of them, having Randy Moss at that time would have been unprecedented because yeah. uh, that was, that was an unbelievable yeah. year for him. I'm trying yeah, to, was, he, he broke, he broke the record for 23 touchdowns in a season. Um, I, that was I a video game like. Correct. Yeah. His, his, his moniker, his, what I li- always liked watching about him was he would be, I don't know if other receivers do this, but he on a streak or, or, uh, you know, on a go route, he would put his hand up when he felt he was open. Yeah. And almost always, once he got within a few yards of the guy, even though he wasn't past him, he was gone and he would put his hand up and Tom would just throw the ball up in the air, you know, 30 yards ahead of him and he'd go and get it and, cruising for a touchdown and it, it just seemed unfair and, and yet he still missed a couple years and he still had the the the, the career he had it, yeah if like you said if he had his head on straight he could have probably approached jerry rice um as far as numbers go 
Um, and then been considered to be the best of all time. But yeah, I don't think I've had either one of those in any of their good years. Yeah. It's funny. Neither have I. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, Terrell Owens, I think, you know, uh, especially when we were really getting hot and heavy into fancy football, they were they both these guys were kind of on their downturn and right toward the end of their careers. Um, you know, middle two thousands is, is when uh, T.O. was was really hot, um, you know, especially that that first year there in Philly when he kind of really caught fire. I was I was actually shocked to see that he he did have that many more uh, catches. Uh, like I said, almost a hundred more catches and about seven hundred more yards than than Randy Moss. But he played every season. He, yeah, he played sixteen seasons to to Moss's fourteen, um, but didn't seem as dominant as, as Randy Moss, although Randy Moss had the years in Oakland where he just disappeared. But I think both these guys were, you know, there's, there's a log jam of receivers right now waiting to get into the hall of fame uh, of guys, you know, kind of, you know, kind of the, the, the Isaac Bruce, Torrey Holt, Heinz Ward kind of guys that accumulated a lot of stats you never really thought of them maybe as Hall of Famers when they played, although I'm biased. I do think Heinz Ward is a Hall of Famer. But these two right now, like, these guys were definite Hall of Famers. No question about it. You may not have liked them. They may not have been great locker room guys. But they were, uh, you know, top five all-time wide receivers and, and, and you know, when they were at their best. And they and they played um, in many different teams, too, and – had 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 a lot of up and downs, but impacted each team uh, on the field. You know, you you just wanted that you wanted them on your team. Yeah. Well, very cool. Uh, so, so the other modern era guys were Brian Urlacher, who uh, I think is fine as a Hall of Famer. I, I I I I think of him as a very very good player, maybe not a Hall of Famer. Ray Lewis, who is a definite Hall of Famer, although probably the player I've hated the most in the NFL. Well, uh, I think first of all, I mean, back on Brian Urlacher, um, he may be the very first guy from Nigeria to to get inducted to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if you can confirm that or not. Um, stupid. Uh, he, yeah, he, he and Christian Okoye. Yeah. Uh, the only ones uh, I can't tell the difference between them. Yeah, uh, another guy kind of like Urlacher is Brian Dawkins, who uh, a very good player. Uh, I remember. Uh, I don't remember anything spectacular about him. I think he's. I think that is a weak uh, Hall of Fame vote, especially with some of the other players who didn't get in. But oh well. Yeah, I agree. All right, man. Well, hey, that's all I got. Um, really, get, we're, we're going to start. Uh, Really pumping out some episodes talking about sleepers, busts, and studs for the upcoming year. Uh, you'll definitely want to tune into those episodes. We're also going to have our our final pre-draft rankings. Uh, those shows are coming up, so really important that you listen to the next ones, uh, especially if you want to uh, do well in your drafts and, and win your league, which is why we're doing this show. Yeah, and if you don't listen to us, we will win. Yeah, in your face. Yeah. All right, well, hey, that's all for the Fancy Boys. We are signing off. Then fading out.